You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. Last week we talked about bold faith. What we're talking about this week is old faith. All right, we're going to learn five things about old faith, and we're going to see an old person in the Scripture, and um, that is not the crowd that's currently standing, okay? Remain standing if you would, though, because we do need to identify the old people and the young people. Right now, let's identify the young people. So, so how do you actually determine that? I have come up with a very scientific way. Um, those of you that are y- my age and younger are younger, Okay. <laughs> And those of you that are older than me are old, okay? I am 48 years old. So if you are young, like me, would you please stand along with these young people, okay? We want to see who you are. Some of you are awfully excited about how young you are. I got to let you know, some of it, I'm, I'm looking out there and I'm like, uh, you are right on the line, okay? <laughs> All right, look at all the young people in our church, all right? Are you excited about the fact that young people still go to church? Um, Rumor has it that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, We're bucking the trend, and so we're excited about that. But you know what? One of the great things about Harvest, ever since we began four years ago, is uh, there's always been a wonderful balance of old and young. And so uh, these are the young people here. I need a representative from this group, okay? You're going to represent this entire group right now. I want you to remain standing if you are a man. Remain standing if you are a man. And I want you to remain standing if you are 40 years old. Uh, There they are, right there. Okay. There's the 40-year-olds. Okay. Um, So I'm going to uh, duly elect as the representative of that younger crowd, Matt Kuyper. Matt, come up here for a second. And uh, you are now in the sermon. So come and stand over here on my left, your right. As he's coming, now we need to identify the other crowd. And so if you are in that older crowd, if you are 48 years and older, would you please stand? Let's see you there. All right, there you are. All right, man, this crowd's got more energy than the first one. Fantastic. All right. Let's see who's here today. I want you to remain standing if you are 50 years and older. Remain standing if you are 60 years and older. Remain standing if if you are able and you're 70 years and older. 70 years and older, remain standing. We've got to identify the oldest living male in the room. Remain standing, I'll take a chance here, remain standing if you are 80 years and older. Okay. Did you know that you are an octogenarian? That's what they call those. I need to find the oldest living male in the auditorium. So if you are... um, if you, are, if you are a male that's 75 years and older, would you please stand? All right. We've got a few of those. All right. How old are you, sir? 78. 78. How old are you? How old are you? 75. All right. So I think you win the prize, okay? <laughs> there you go. All right. 
Would you come up here? You're now in the sermon too, all right? Now, the reason I'm doing this, the reason I'm doing this is, this is awesome. All right. Um, what is your name? Carl Moore. Carl, and you are how old? 78. 78. Do you remember when you looked like that? Um, never was that tall. <laughs> I remember when I had hair. That's right. You know, the Bible actually says something about that. Proverbs chapter 16 says that gray hair is a crown of life gained by righteous living. What about no hair? The Bible doesn't speak to that, but we know by experience that as you get older, your hair either turns gray or turns loose. Yours well, looks well, like it did what both. What it did is it migrated down to my arm. <laughs> All right. I'm going to now pull the mic away from you. All right, Carl, hang on a second there. Um, no, I did not. I thought that was my role, but I realize I'm now the straight man in this analogy. Open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 13. And uh, I'm actually going to read, I'm actually going to ask Matt here to read a passage, just one verse. Uh, Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. This is a a passage about a guy named Joshua, and we've been tracking Joshua through his early years, and now he's led the people into uh, the territory that God wants them to possess. And now God has something to say to Joshua, but he's also got something to say to Carl and to you. So, Matt, would you read that verse to Carl? You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. Now, did you catch what God was saying there? Now, <laughs> Joshua was old and advanced in years, so God said, you are old <laughs> and advanced. As much as you might want to deny that, and as much as you may not act like you're very old, <laughs> Carl, you are old and advanced in years. Every time I look in the mirror, I see <laughs> And you came to church today just to have that validated. So, um, the, but, but here's the good news. And here's what God would say to Carl and to those of you that are in the older generation. Did you see it? Yet, there is still very much land for you to possess. And so here's the big idea of the message. I'm going to ask Carl to, re Carl to, remi to remind us of this. Read that. Uh, see that on the back wall there? Read that to these guys. No matter how old you get, God keeps calling you onward. Remember that. Do you believe that? Yeah. That's great. And so we are going to learn that principle here. Now, because you have been so uh, willing to participate, I have a book for you. It's, it's uh, Tim Keller's book on prayer. And so thank you for that. And Matt, if you'll come back in 40 years, we'll let you have a book too. All right. So thank you so much. Why don't you give these guys a hand?
Now, as we read this passage of Scripture, I now want you to turn over to the next chapter, chapter 14, and we're going to begin reading about another old guy. We just read what God said to Joshua, who at that point was now into his 90s. Now we're going to read about Joshua's old friend, Caleb who is 85 years old. And I want you to see this conversation that these two old guys are having. Now, as we begin to read this, I want you to imagine two old guys sitting on a porch, in rocking chairs, having a conversation. What would you think their conversation would sound like? Wouldn't you think about these guys just kind of reminiscing about the past? And boy, we fought a lot of battles and so glad we don't have to do that anymore. And so glad there's this younger generation now that can do all that fighting and they can go possess. That's what you would imagine these two old guys to be talking about, right? Now remember, Joshua, who is in his 90s, and Caleb, who we're going to find out was 85 at the time of this conversation, are not only old, they are 40 years older than anybody else in the country. You remember? God would not allow this generation to go with Joshua and Caleb. They all died in the wilderness. And so now Joshua and Caleb are these revered, respectable men, and they have a little conversation that God allows us to eavesdrop in on, and it begins here in Joshua 14. Look in verse 6. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. Gilgal was the headquarters, and we see Gilgal all through this book here. It says, And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me? And so they are reminiscing a little bit. Caleb recalls, very sharp memory at the age of 85, he recalls specifically what God said through Moses about Caleb. Now, he doesn't quote that, but we know where it's quoted. It's actually in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. And here's what God said that Caleb remembered. Here it is. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Caleb remembers a promise that God had made to him that even at the age of 85 had not yet been fulfilled. And because Caleb centered his life on the promises of God, he is still believing God for more. And God distinguishes Caleb as a man unlike any other. It says he has a different spirit. I think we have seen a different spirit on display here this morning. (laughs) Would we all have that kind of spirit when we are 78 years old? Well, that is what God says Caleb had. And because Caleb had it, we're going to see something unique about his life. Look at verse 7. He recalls, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Do you remember what Caleb and Joshua's occupation was when they were in their 40s? They were into international espionage, right? How many of you are international? I guess you couldn't admit that. So anyway, these guys had some pretty exciting careers, 
And they recalled the time that God used them to bring back the report. Do you remember 12 spies went in? Only two spies came out with a positive report. Who were they? Joshua and Caleb. And they looked at those giants and said, those giants are big, those giants are ugly, those giants are strong, but our God is bigger and we believe we can whip those enemies of God. And they, they, they were allowed to do that. These other 10 spies came back. They gave a very negative report. That's what Caleb says next in verse 8. But my brothers, these other 10 spies who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. Underline those two words, wholly followed, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Caleb had a whole heart for God. And that's what made him have a different spirit. Verse 9, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land upon which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. He says it a second time. What are we learning from this? Well, here's the first thing we learn from Caleb's life. Old faith is cultivated from start to to finish. We see in this story a record of the faithfulness of Caleb as a young man through his 50s, through his 60s, through his 70s. Now he's 85 years old. From start to finish, he cultivated a faithfulness to God. And it was characterized by this statement that God made about him. He had wholly followed the Lord. What does that mean? Well, I believe it means that when Caleb got up in the morning, he gave his whole day to God. He recognized that day was a gift of God, that every day, that every year was a gift of God to be used wholly for God's purposes. And so I believe he gave his whole day to God. I believe he gave his whole mind to God. I believe he gave his whole body to God. This, this life is to be lived for you, and I want it to count for eternity. I want it to count for you. I believe in some sense Caleb said, everything I have belongs to you. My whole net worth belongs to you. My whole bank account belongs to you. My whole family belongs to you. Everything I own, God, I want to use it all for you. And that is the cultivation of a faith that continues to take the next step toward God. Have you taken your first step of faith? Maybe some of you are new to church, new to Christianity, new to stories like this, and you're like, man, you're talking about some really radical stuff that would really change my life. Because quite honestly, I have used my whole life for um, uh, me. Not Caleb. Caleb understood the promises of God toward a man of faith. And so he took his first step, and he continued to take his next step, and Caleb never got derailed from cultivating his faith. Think about it. He could have gotten derailed by giants that were big. He never got derailed by fear. He never got derailed by an enemy. He never got derailed by jealousy. I was thinking about this. Caleb seems like an awesome hero of the Bible. And so does Joshua. And you got these two guys, they're buddies, they fought similar battles, and yet only one of them got a book in the Bible with his name. 
If some of us were like, uh, some of us couldn't be like Caleb because Caleb never sat back and was like, well, well, I didn't get a Bible book. Why, why didn't I get more recognition? No, he never got derailed by jealousy. Why? Because when your whole life belongs to God, you realize it's not about you in the first place. Your faith is cultivated when you have a whole heart for God. And listen, getting old is inevitable, okay? Even for people like Carl, all right? Getting old is inevitable. But here's what I want you to understand. Cultivating faith is a choice. Just because you are old doesn't mean you are godly. You say, well, shouldn't we revere old people? Absolutely. We should respect them and thank them and appreciate them. But quite sadly, if the truth was known, just because you have lived many years doesn't mean you have walked many miles with God. And the saddest story is of a person who has not lived many years but has wasted many years spending your life on things that don't matter. Not Caleb. He cultivated his faith from start to finish. And he was a godly man at the start. He was a godly man at the finish. If you want to have a whole heart for God, you can start that relationship today. But can I ask you this? Some of you in that older generation, you started out cultivating faith. Have you stopped cultivating your faith? And you've used the excuses of, I'm old. Nobody really expects me to continue to pursue with the same passion I had when I was young. Uh, God does. And that's what the lesson is in this passage. Old faith is cultivated from start to finish. And then this, old faith grows stronger with time. That's the lesson here in verse 10. See it? And now, Caleb says, Behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness, and now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I love what it says there in verse 10. The Lord has kept me alive. Caleb understood that he was not alive by chance. Caleb was alive by providence. If you are old and God has kept you alive for this day, do you know what that means? This day has a divine purpose. I've met so many old people, it's, it's so sad to think that somehow because you are old, you think you are less valuable or less significant or have less purpose. Now, our purposes change through different seasons of life. Those of you that are old remember the season of life where it just seemed like your whole life was just trying to keep kids alive, <laughs> trying to keep them from killing themselves and trying to keep them out of trouble. And, and yet those kids grow up and they move out. If your whole identity was wrapped up in those children, what's going to happen to you or what did happen to you when those children no longer needed you once they left home. If you've not lived your life for the purposes of God, you can think this day has no meaning. This day has no purpose. Not Caleb. 
Caleb understood that his life, his years, his remaining days had purpose and significance. But do you know why old people lose their purpose? Is because they mistakenly believe that that day and that year that you were kept alive was to be spent on yourself. And pretty soon when the aches and the pains and the illnesses and all the different problems that come with getting older and somehow we think, I don't deserve this. And we begin to think about how hard it is to get old. We become self-absorbed and we begin to isolate ourselves and wall ourselves off. And, and all we do is run through our minds the list of complaints we have about how hard this day was or how hard this year has been. And we lose the sovereign purpose for which God gave the day. It's not to be spent on yourself. If you don't want to get old, then don't live your life for yourself. Spend those years that God has given. Spend those days pouring out, not expecting everybody else to be pouring in. And so he says here in verse 11, incredible statement. Notice what he says. I am as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Now, I kind of believe Carl is, I mean, if he's got that much energy when he was 85, what was he, or 78, what was he like when he was 40, right? I mean, he kind of looks like he's got about the same amount of energy. But, but is it, and that, that's a miracle. I believe what God did for Caleb here was a miracle. He goes on at the end of verse 11. He says, and now my strength is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. That was a miracle. If you are as physically strong at 85 as you were when you were 40, that's a miracle. Maybe that's your son stands still prayer, and by faith you want to believe that, and maybe God answers that prayer. But for most of us, as we get older, I'm getting older, and I don't think I'm as physically strong as I was 40 years. years I would have been eight, but <laughs> anyway, uh, maybe 20 years ago, okay? But that's a miracle. But here's the thing. You can be as spiritually strong or stronger today, even as you become physically and mentally weaker. And do you know what happens when you get physically and mentally weaker? You lose your ability to fake your spirituality. I've made this observation about older people. Maybe it's just me, but let me see if I can get any confirmation. Have you noticed that as people get older, they either get sweeter or grumpier? but they seldom stay the same. The sweet people at 40 end up being the sweetest people when they're 85. And the grumpy people are 40. You don't even want to be in the same zip code with them when they're 85, right? Why is that true? It's because when you get physically and mentally weaker, your spirituality is exposed because you don't have the energy to fake it anymore. I don't know about you, I want to be sweeter and not grumpier the older I get. If you're getting grumpier, you need to be spiritually stronger, even as you become physically and mentally weaker. Faith, old faith, grows stronger over time. 
And then this, old faith is fueled by new vision. Old faith is fueled by new vision. Look at verse 12. So uh, Joshua asked, or Caleb asked Joshua for a request in verse 12. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there. Now that's Anakim, not Anakin. That's the Skywalker family. That's another story in a galaxy far, far away. This was a real story and a real enemy. Those were giants in the land, okay? Anakim, they were there. <laughs> that doesn't seem to bother Caleb at all. He's, the Anakim were there. They, they, were a, they had great fortified cities. And he said, it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out just as the Lord has said. And so... Caleb realizes that God has made a promise in his 40s that he has not yet seen fulfilled. And so in his 80s, he's got fresh, new vision. Listen, there is nothing more powerful than an old man with a fresh vision. And he sees something through the front windshield that he is going after. And by the time you're that age... You are not scared anymore because you know that whatever could kill you just gives you an upgrade on the other side in glory, right? If you're that close to it anyway, what have you got to lose, right? And so he goes after the hardest challenge possible. He's not content to sit on the sidelines and let everybody else do the fighting. The older you get, the more you'll be tempted to say, I have fought the battles. I have served my time. It is time for some of these young people to get in there and do the fighting. Have you ever been tempted to say that? By God's grace, not around here. Can I just tell you a little concern of the pastor's heart? There is a noticeable absence of grandmas and grandpas holding babies in the nursery. And I know what you're thinking. If you knew how many diapers I've changed, you would understand that I have reached my quota. But for some of you that understand what old faith looks like, what you're going to say is, you know what? I'm going to get in there and I'm going to fight the battle. I'm going to engage a challenge and do something that maybe requires some time and some energy and some mental exercise and some emotion and some mess. And I am going to serve the Lord with the availability that God has given me. And that would be the least of a challenge that some of you. Uh, last night when, when I did that little exercise of having the older people stand, there was, there was a man that stood up. He's 85 years old. And I am, one of these days, I'm going to get a phone call that tells me that Dave Starks has died at the age of 115 in Thailand or China or the Philippines because the man will not stop going on mission trips. The man will not stop trying to reach unreached people with the gospel. That's the example of a man who is fueled by a vision. And he's not going to use the excuse that he's old to stop serving and see the promise fulfilled in his lifetime that the Great Commission would be accomplished, not around him, but through him. May, all give, may God give us all that kind of faith fueled by the vision. Listen, 
Old is not determined by the number of years lived. Old is determined by the percentage of your life that you've used for God. And if you have used a little bit of that life to serve God, you're getting old fast. Some of you are in your 20s and you are old. Because you're not living your life for the purpose that God has given all of your availability, all of your heart. So what would it look like for you to pray the same kind of prayer that Caleb prayed? Give me this hill country. He had his eyes on a territory, and just like what God said to Joshua, you're old and advanced in years, but there remains still very much territory for you to possess. Now, for those guys, it was actually literal geographic plots of land that God wanted them to go after. For most of us, that's probably not what God wants us to possess, but it could be things like this. How about praying a prayer like this? God, would you give me more holiness? I'm not yet a finished product. There is so much unfinished business for you to do in my life. So often my flesh seems to dominate and I'm so dissatisfied with what comes out of me half the time. Here's a verse, write this down, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Listen to it. Since we have these promises, sound familiar? This is New Testament. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of of the Lord. Do you get up every day with the idea that I am going to possess more holiness by the time this day is done? And pray that, the God, that God would bring a completion to that which he started? That's what we call the doctrine of sanctification. That we don't try to be holy in order to obtain salvation. That because we've obtained salvation, we want to see God bring more holiness to completion in our lives. That's the prayer of every genuine believer. That not somehow I would just kind of get in to heaven. But before I get into heaven, I was looking much like Jesus as possible. So that when I see him, I recognize him. He recognized me because there's a resemblance. That's our prayer. Give me more holiness. Or how about this? Give me more love. The fact of the matter is some of us are pretty grumpy. And we're easily annoyed and people are a bother and life is hard because you expect everybody else to love you and you invest very little of your energy attempting to love other people, especially people who are hard to love. God, would you give me the ability to love, even in the hardest circumstances, in the hardest situations, to love my spouse, to love my family, to love my neighbor, to love my enemy, to love my church, and even my pastor that won't get off my case about serving. Give me more love. Give me more influence. Just because I'm old doesn't mean that I can't have influence around me. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to meet people in that season of life that you didn't have time to meet in an earlier season of life. God, help me to influence them for the gospel, to not be ashamed of the gospel and not my identity as a Christian. I want to be a 
patriarch in my family to influence the next generation and the generation under that. And if I live long enough to see my great-grandchildren, may they be influenced by my faith, influenced by my prayers. I want to multiply myself. Listen, you are not done with your life until you have replaced yourself. Don't you die in this church and leave some big hole. You served so well in this lifetime, but you didn't raise anybody up after you and duplicate yourself. That's what we need to be a part of. That's called making disciples. The multiplication of ministry. It's so great to know that another church called Harvest Bible Chapel has been planted on the other side of the world. Well, what are we doing? We're multiplying our influence in the world. And today, there's an influence in Kenya in a place that I may never get to go. But we're influencing others around us. And then this, give me more intimacy with God. Do you know what you have as an older person many times you didn't have as a younger person? You have freedom over your schedule. You have freedom over your time. But what are you using that schedule and that time for? The time to sit and to contemplate and spend extended hours with God in prayer, in the Word, and understanding parts of the Bible that, that maybe you've never dug into. Give me more intimacy with God. And then this, give me more ministry. What does ministry look like? For some of you, it's a ministry of prayer. Maybe as you've gotten older, you've become immobile. But just because you can't move doesn't mean you can't move God in your prayers. A ministry of actually going, like our brother Dave, who is running around the country, or running around the world, trying to make disciples. Or for some of you, as you've gotten older, God has given you the ability to accumulate wealth. Not everybody has wealth at the end of their lifetime, but some of you have wealth. You've bought everything you can figure out to make you happy. You've still got leftovers. And the only thing that you can figure out to do with it is pass it on to your ungodly children. Um, if your children are ungodly, you might want to find a different place to invest so that what you leave behind continues to build the kingdom of God. And so what kind of ministry do you have even at that season of your life? Listen to what the New Testament tells us about old men. How many of you are sitting next to an old man right now? All right, there they are. So tell, wake them up. Wake them up. Here's what the New Testament says about old men. It says in Titus chapter 2, verse 2, Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness, in other words, endure to the end. And if you do that, you're going to have ministry, you're going to have influence, and you're going to duplicate that in someone younger than you. How many of you are sitting next to an older, I wouldn't, we just won't go there, okay. An older woman, the New Testament says this, Titus 2, 3, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers, or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good to who? To train the younger women to love their husbands and love their children. Older ladies, let me tell you, in our church, 
there is a population of young moms who are pulling their hair out because their children are pulling their hair out. <laughs> They're doing the best they can with the information that they have. But quite honestly, they do not know what they're doing with their children. And if they figure that part out, they've got to look at a husband that doesn't know what he's doing. So how are they going to learn to love their children, to love their husbands, to stay, to stay married for a lifetime, that marriage is still honorable in the sight of God, and it's to be protected? Where are they going to learn that? It should be coming from older men investing in younger men and older women investing in younger women. And if you have no vision for that, would you please hold a baby in the nursery so that mom can come in here and I can teach her a few things? That's the way we work as a body. Give me more. I'm not satisfied with what I have less. And then this. Old faith faces future challenges with courage. In saying this, I realize that as a younger man, I, I may be, you may think, I, well, you're insensitive to the fact that it, it hurts to get old. It's hard. I, I, I get that. In a sense, I feel some of the oldness creeping in very much. I want you to see what Caleb's attitude was about that in verse 12. He had some enemies. He said there were these Anakim that were there in these great fortified cities. But here was his solution to, to the challenges. It was his mindset about God. The Lord will be with me. And I will drive out them just as the Lord says. It was his faith that made him strong in the face of old enemies. Do you have the faith to grow old with courage? And not say, I'm going to sit on the sidelines where it's safe and expect everybody else to serve me. I don't know about you, as I've thought about getting old, I, 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 to be honest with you, I'm not looking forward to that. This message is helping me. But for me, it's not, I'm not scared of getting old. I'm scared of getting old alone. I don't want to be alone in those years. But what does the promise say in this passage? 85-year-old Caleb reminded himself of this. The Lord will be with me. It is the presence of God that gives the assurance that no matter what challenge I face, old or young, He is here. He knows me. He sees me. He loves me. He's promised me. He protects me. I'm going forward. And so can you see 85-year-old Caleb at the base of this mountain? He is about to go after it with courage, and you can too. Last week, I took our pastoral staff to uh, Louisville, Kentucky. We spent three days at uh, a conference called the Together for the Gospel Conference, and it was a gathering of 10,000 pastors. And uh, some of our great heroes were there, and, the, and some of those that are, that are fighting the battles on the front line, men like John MacArthur, men like uh, Matt Chandler and Al Mohler and, and John Piper. And I remember as uh, John Piper was about to preach, uh, one of these men got up to introduce John Piper, and, and this is the way he introduced him. 
They said, uh, I'm sure that for all of us, we can remember the moment in our minds when we either read something John Piper wrote or heard something John Piper said that rocked our world. And when he said that, all these 10,000 10, pastors just kind of turned to their buddy sitting next to them. Do you remember what? Yeah, I remember. Do you remember? What, and we all started quoting John Piper, all these 10,000 guys. And I certainly was like, yeah. And I remember the first time I heard a message from John Piper. He was preaching to a crowd of about 5,000 college students. At the time, he was about 50 years old. And um, he told a story about how he had picked up a Reader's Digest, and he read a story entitled The American Dream. And the story in the Reader's Digest told about this couple in their 50s that retired early. And they moved to Punta Gorda, Florida, where they spent their days playing golf, softball, and collecting shells. And John Piper, in a way that only John Piper can do, looked at those 5,000 college students and said, That's a tragedy! <laughs> what are these people going to do as they approach the throne of God? <laughs> Look, Lord, my shells. From that moment on, I thought, I am never going to retire on God. And I think those 5,000 college students have changed the world since the 20 years that he preached that. How about you? Is that your American dream? Is to find a cushy little life where there are no challenges? And let the young people do the fighting, and let the young people do the serving, and let the young people do the church planting and the church building and the discipling. Not here. Here's the fifth thing. Old faith leaves a lasting legacy. Look at verse 13. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephthunah, for an inheritance. And then verse 14, the second part, it says, because he wholly followed the Lord. In case you missed it the first two times they said it in this paragraph, God wants to remind us that the key to his life is that he wholly followed the Lord. What's going to be on your tombstone? I think I know what was on Caleb's. He wholly followed the Lord. For those of you that are getting older, have you thought about what the preacher's going to say at your funeral? Please don't make me lie <laughs> to say nice things about you. Give me a resume to work from. Man, I don't have enough time to say all the stuff he accomplished for God. That's what Caleb's resume was. And then look at the last part of verse 15. And the land had rest from war. That statement kind of summarizes the next chapter of Scripture. Don't take time to read it now, but guess what? 85-year-old Caleb engaged the enemy. He fought the fight, and guess who won? Caleb won by faith. And as a result of Caleb fighting that battle, listen, 
the next generation didn't have to. What's going to be your legacy? Rest or war? Because an entire generation has retired on God, the next generation is going to have to fight some battles because you sat on the sideline. It's time to engage the enemy. It's time to get off the sideline. It's time to get out of the rocking chair, if you are able, and to fight the good fight and leave the legacy of godliness that Caleb left. You know what? Some of you of the younger generation are sitting back like, man, Pastor Trent's really getting that older generation today. I'm so glad he's not targeting me. <laughs> Listen, the, the next person who has a funeral in this room will probably not be Carl. It probably won't be the oldest among us. None of us know how many days we have. Every day is a gift from God. Are you ready to stand before God and give an account of your life? Here's the truth of the gospel. Jesus stands ready to offer eternal life. You talk about old. Eternal life to all who would repent and believe the gospel. Jesus Christ lived 33 years. And he lived a life holy devoted to God. So much so that he gave his life, he lived his life and gave his life for sinners like you and me who want to live eternally with God. Have you taken your first step of faith? Have you cultivated faith from start to finish? Maybe for the first time today, it's all clicked for you and you're like, man, I've been living my life for myself. God created me and this day for Him. You want to give your life wholly to Him today? As a young person, as an old person, no matter how many years we have left, God, it all belongs to you. Is that your heart? It's your attitude? Why don't we just pray right now and just make that your prayer. He knows where you're at. He knows your challenges. He knows your struggles. He knows your aches. He knows your pains. But he hears your prayer. And maybe instead of asking God to remove an obstacle, why don't you ask God to engage you in the fight so that you will leave a lasting legacy of godliness. Father, we thank you for every year, every day. You've kept us alive for this moment. And God, in a few minutes, we're going to walk out of here. I pray that the rest of this day and the rest of my life would be wholly devoted to you. And that, God, you would continue to give strength to serve you. I pray for my friends that, Lord, they've bought a lie that retirement is to be consumed on ourselves. I pray that those years where there's more freedom or maybe more resources could be used 
to multiply your work in the world. And God, for some that maybe have even never taken that first step of faith, God, would this be the day their lives would be wholly committed to you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.